is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Hi, I'm Natalie. I'm from Hastings which is actually one of the most deprived towns in the country and has even been called hell on sea by one national newspaper about 20 years ago. But I like it a lot. I work for King's Church in Hastings where I oversee social action and community engagement. And we run or co-run about eight projects to support people facing poverty in our local community. I also work for Jubilee Plus, which some of you may have heard of. It's a Christian charity that was started in the family of churches that you and I are connected to, New Frontiers. And the main thing we do is we equip churches like yours and like mine to be more effective in our work to support people who are living in poverty. It's such a privilege to be speaking as part of your online church today. I'm sad I can't be with you in person, but I'm pleased we can still connect in this way. Uh, today, I'd like us to explore an aspect of what it looks like when the Kingdom of God comes to our communities. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn to Luke chapter 4, but don't worry if you haven't. When we read the gospel accounts of Jesus in the Bible, there's a phrase Jesus says a few times, and it's that the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, one of the sentences in the Lord's Prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what does it look like when the kingdom comes? What does it look like when the kingdom comes to earth like it is in heaven? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to find out. It says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue, on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marvelled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Now, the context here is that Jesus had been baptised by John the Baptist and as he came up out of the water, it says the Holy Spirit descended upon him and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. Straight after that, Jesus is led by the Spirit to the wilderness, to the desert, where he goes without food for 40 days and is tempted during that time as well. When he returns, it says... He was in the power of the Spirit and he goes from synagogue to synagogue, as we're reading about here, teaching. And so when we get to the verses we've just read, Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. 
And what we see here is that Jesus is starting his earthly ministry by proclaiming that he is good news for the poor. His care for the poor wasn't a sideshow, but a sign of the kingdom of God because it revealed the merciful character of God. You know, when Jesus arrives on the earth, the kingdom of God arrives with him. And one of the defining features of it is that good news goes out to those who are in poverty. Notice it says that when Jesus was handed the scroll, he found the place where it is written. It wasn't an accident. He didn't do it randomly. He didn't just randomly choose a reading. He didn't kind of close his eyes and plonk his finger down and just read wherever it landed. He wasn't told which bit to read. No, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. You know, when Jesus came, there was this breaking in of heaven to earth. The kingdom of God is arriving. It's like this collision between heaven and earth where from the moment Jesus comes onwards, the kingdom of God is being rolled out. It's being unfurled across the earth. And so often when we hear people talk about the kingdom of heaven coming to earth, the focus is on signs and wonders and miracles. And of course, these are wonderful things. We all want to see more of it. I recently saw an incredible healing in the lives of my friends. Uh, their three children were suffering with various food allergies and actually had been since they were born, so for many, many years. And during lockdown, all three children have been completely healed. They're now having ice cream for breakfast and all sorts, and they've got doctor's notes backing it up. And as my church has told that story, we've seen at least another five people say that they've been healed too. Miraculous physical healings were a sign of the kingdom when Jesus walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, and they're still a sign of the kingdom of God today. But there's more to the kingdom of God than this, even more. Sometimes we forget this other vital element that we see in these verses in Luke chapter 4, which is sometimes referred to as the Jesus Manifesto, that a key part of the kingdom of God coming is the raising up of those trapped in poverty and injustice. You know, some might think that this Jesus manifesto only has spiritual implications. We know that Jesus opened spiritually blind eyes um, and bought spiritual freedom. So maybe it just means Jesus is good news to those who are spiritually poor. But Jesus also literally healed blind eyes. People who were physically blind were able to physically see again. People who were, lit were literally oppressed found freedom when they encountered Jesus. And so likewise, those who knew poverty received good news when they met Jesus. It wasn't just a spiritual thing. It had a, a material, physical application too. And it's clear in the Gospels that Jesus spent much of his time with those in chronic need and that he expended a huge amount of emotional and spiritual energy meeting those needs. Concern for those in poverty isn't an optional extra for Christians, but it's an essential part of following Jesus. It's not a departmental thing that's for some Christians and not for others. Rather, it is crucial to following and walking in the ways of Jesus. The closer we follow Jesus, the more this natural consequence is that we become increasingly compassionate to alleviate poverty and passionate about seeing the poor raised up out of poverty. Jesus himself said in Matthew 25 that one of the key hallmarks of how well his followers know him is how we treat those who are hungry, thirsty, strangers, those without clothes or those who are sick or in prison. 
This isn't something that can be left to a few enthusiastic food bank volunteers. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we become like him. And the more we become like him, the more we care about those who are trapped in poverty. Jesus interacted with those on the margins of society, the prostitutes, the unclean lepers, the shunned beggars, the despised tax collectors. Actually, the people shunned by society not only felt comfortable with Jesus, but they actively sought him out. You might be thinking, what about people who got themselves into the mess they're in, who made bad decisions? Would you know what? The Bible doesn't shy away from the fact that there are various reasons why people fall into poverty, including as a result of their own actions. But God's mercy towards people isn't founded on what they have or haven't done. Aren't you glad? A biblical attitude is not, well, you made your bed, so go lie in it. But like Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, it says in Matthew chapter 9. Our society treats people based on their behaviour, but if you're a Christian, you're called to treat people based on God's behaviour, his character, who he is, the merciful one. In God's kingdom, compassion and kindness and generosity have everything to do with the giver and very little to do with the recipient. Coming back to this passage of scripture, when John the Baptist sent people to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah, Jesus told them to tell John what they saw, that the blind see, the lame walk and good news is preached to the poor. Because when the kingdom of God turns up, it is good news for those in poverty. This wasn't a secondary issue for Jesus. He didn't bring good news to the poor when he had a spare moment or only after he'd done a few other more important things. No, this characterised his life. It's who he is. In the verses we read from Luke 4 earlier, Jesus was quoting Isaiah 61, where God's mercy and vision for those in poverty goes even further than just hearing good news. It doesn't stop there. Once those in poverty have heard the good news and captives have been freed, Isaiah 61 says this, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. God's vision for people in poverty isn't just to be helped with their urgent needs, their immediate crisis, as important and vital as that is. It's that they should be given a hand up lifted out of poverty, anchored away from it, so they're not constantly fearing falling back into it. But even more than that, that they might go on to become those who rebuild, raise up and repair others. And this is my story. I grew up in relative poverty in Hastings. God's vision when he grabbed hold of me when I was 15 wasn't just to bring good news to me. It wasn't even just to relieve my poverty. It was to lift me out of poverty. But even more than that, it was to, to so completely transform me that I might lift others out of poverty too. This is central to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. God's plan for us is wholehearted life change. Lifting people out of dire circumstances is what God does. It's his speciality. And it's what we get to do too for those of us who follow him. Jesus calls us to be like him. He invites us to be like him. It's astonishing. He says that when we see him clearly 
A natural and inevitable outworking of that is that we will feed the hungry, we'll visit the sick, we'll reach out to the imprisoned, we'll clothe people, we'll support widows and orphans, we'll unchain those who are enslaved, we'll love our neighbours and we'll even love our enemies too. If you're a Christian, you're called to bring the kingdom of God to those around you. And the kingdom of God is far more beautiful, powerful and wonderful than we might even imagine. During this coronavirus crisis, for many of us, if we're honest, it's been an inconvenience, a disruption to our comfort. But for some listening to this today, it's been a catastrophe. You know, it's been said that coronavirus is a great leveller. If even the Prime Minister can catch it, well, of course, isn't it a great leveller for us all? You know, when lockdown started, I actually lost 20% of my income in the first few weeks. I was planning to go to the United States in April, but obviously I couldn't. I was worried about my mental health because I live alone and have in the past had a tendency towards depression. And this may sound strange, but I was also worried about how I'd feed myself. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that before lockdown I used to be fed by friends five or six nights a week. But I don't think it's true that coronavirus is affecting us all equally. We might all be in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. For some of us, if we're honest, it's more like we're in a cruise liner. We might be rocked about a bit, maybe our income's down a bit, but we're still okay. Uh, Things might have tightened up, but we've got savings if we need them. Maybe we're bored because we've been furloughed or we've lost out on our holidays and life just isn't as much fun at the moment as we'd like it to be or even as smooth as we'd hope. But ultimately, we're pretty secure. We know we won't sink. We just have to ride it out until the storm passes and then we can get back to normal. But for others of us, it's like being in the middle of the ocean during an overwhelming storm and all we've got is a raft and maybe not even that. Maybe we're in the water, clinging to a piece of wood, hoping we won't drown. Maybe we've been furloughed from work and the 20% of income that we've lost is the 20% we used to use to buy food. Maybe we've got kids we're supposed to be homeschooling, but we haven't even got a table they can sit at to work, let alone a laptop or a decent Wi-Fi connection. You know, when I was a kid, I used to do my homework sitting on my bed. That's just how it was. Do you know that the lowest paid have been the hardest hit by coronavirus and lockdown? Those in jobs that pay the least are most likely to have lost their jobs or been furloughed or have jobs where they can't socially distance. Some of us are in a completely different situation. We're amazed at how much money we're saving during this time because we're not going out to cinemas or theatres or restaurants. We're not going shopping or impulse purchasing. We're not even able to get our hair cut um, and we're not driving so much. So coronavirus may have inconvenienced us, but we might be seeing our bank balances look pretty healthy. But there are a huge number for whom coronavirus has driven them to food banks. In lots of cases, even for the first time. While it's true that those hit hardest are those who are already familiar with poverty and living hand to mouth, there are actually significant numbers of people who've been pushed into poverty for the first time and actually don't know what's hit them. There are huge numbers who have gone into debt or fallen into rent arrears, lost loved ones, lost their jobs, or know that that's coming when the furlough scheme ends at the same time as winter approaches. Can I just urge you, if coronavirus has been an inconvenience for you, 
If that's all it's been for you, please be aware that it's been a complete catastrophe for others. And the best way that we can respond to that as Christians is by bringing the kingdom of God to the people and communities around us, by bringing and being good news to those in poverty. Practically speaking, we can do this by giving generously. If you're someone who's saving money during this season, why not think about giving half of it away? Or dare I say, giving all of it away to someone who needs it more than you. Buy a single parent who's struggling to homeschool a laptop or a tablet, or pay his or her rent for a month or broadband for a year. How about donating a trolley full of food to your food bank or your soup kitchen? Look up people in need in your area who've been referred to acts435.org.uk because they need furniture or a fridge or counselling sessions to help them with their mental health. That's a great way to donate to people in your area in need. But it's not just about money. If you're shielding or you're furloughed, don't just read all those books you've bought but never got round to reading. Call, text and email people who are lonely or depressed or isolated, even the ones who are so cantankerous that no one wants to call them. Now that we can go into each other's homes again, obviously with certain restrictions, why not offer to babysit so a parent or parents can go for a long walk? Perhaps you can help with homeschooling or cleaning someone's place or painting a room. It's not too late to start a WhatsApp group with your neighbours, offering to help them if they need it. For those of us who are Christians, Jesus invites us to pray that God's kingdom will come to our communities, but also to co-labour with Jesus to roll it out across our communities. Where the followers of Jesus go, it should be the case that good news goes with us. We carry the kingdom of God, which is good news to those in poverty, and we get to be those who do good to those around us, but especially those for whom life is hard. God's plan for those of us who've known poverty is not just to hear good news and to find relief from our crisis. That's vital, but it's so much more than that. Whether you're rich or poor, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to become an oak of righteousness who restores others, rebuilds communities and brings the kingdom of God close to all you encounter. I mentioned at the beginning that where I live, in Hastings, it was once called Hell on Sea by a national newspaper. That sounds exactly like the sort of place described in Isaiah 61 as a place that needs rebuilding, restoring and renewing. And God's heart is to raise people in my area and yours out of poverty, that they might go and raise others out of poverty too. It's actually such a glorious vision that when the kingdom of God is rolled out, when it's unfurled across our communities, we don't just see people being lifted out of poverty temporarily. We see people utterly transformed and becoming those who are then empowered and equipped to lift others out of poverty too. When the kingdom of God comes, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's glorious, and it's good news for those who are hardest hit. Now, this is wonderful news all year round, every year, every decade, every generation. But how much more so than now in the season we're in do our communities need to know about this kingdom of God that when it comes to them brings good news for those in poverty and lifts them out? This is a great uh, time for us to be on the front foot. It's an awful time for many, so we mustn't step back. We mustn't shrink back, we must step up, we must uh, 
look to engage more with our communities than we ever have before, with our neighbours, with our family members that might consider themselves to be the black sheep of the family, with people in our communities and our churches and our networks who are struggling at this time. Let's be on the front foot of bringing the kingdom of God, bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning. Thank you.